The Empire Strikes Back in this week's episode of The Mandalorian. My name is Hamish and welcome to the Baby Yoda cast. Let's go. Coming in at about 30 minutes or so, this episode uh, is actually the shortest chapter this season, chapter 14, The Tragedy. Now, while it's the shortest, um, that's definitely not the tragic part about it. The tragic part about this episode is the plot development. And by tragic, I mean the plot is thickening, the dramatic tension that I have been longing for is finally here. The Empire is striking back. Moff Gideon's plans are being mobilized. I love this episode. Let me tell you, the amount of memes on Reddit uh, the last couple days about this episode, and in a good way, uh, it's just been blowing my mind, the fan reaction to this episode, to this series. It's just, I love The Mandalorian. It's such a uniting um, Star Wars property. There have been so many um, criticisms of the sequels, and, you know, I'm a fan of the sequels. I'm a massive fan of the sequels. But it's been great to see The Mandalorian be something that pretty much every single Star Wars fan from every single type of Star Wars media uh, has united and love this series. We all love The Mandalorian. And this episode, uh, chapter 14, The Tragedy, just kind of reaffirms why I love this show. I have spoken. We start off with Mando and Grogu on the Razor Crest flying to Tython. They have a little bit of a cute kind of father and son sort of interaction where Mando is kind of playing with Grogu um, and kind of testing out his name and testing his reaction to his name. And then he um, tests his ability to use the force to grab the ball again, like he did with him and Ahsoka last episode. And then he kind of has a little bit more of a serious tone with Grogu kind of saying, you know, when we find this Jedi, when we find the Jedi, um, we're going to have to part ways. I'm going to have to let you go. Even though I care about you, I promised that I would find you a home. I promised I would bring you to your people. And so when we get to the Jedi, you're going to have to say your goodbyes. And it's a little bit of a tender moment. And then they hit you with the title card, Chapter 14, The Tragedy. And it's at that exact moment that you know that it's going down, this episode. You know that it's going down. <laughs> oh my gosh. Things and things turn, take a turn for the worst. Um, if anyone ever said that season two of the Mandalorian was equivalent to the empire strikes back, uh, they would be true in saying that they'd be very right in saying that, um, you know, season one, uh, while it had its twists and turns was just kind of an epic heroic journey. Uh, but season two, it's kind of gone from bad to worse in some ways. And this episode takes it to a whole nother level. Uh, if you haven't watched uh, chapter 14, The Tragedy, at this point, please be warned that this whole episode uh, of the podcast is 
totally uh, filled with spoilers, okay? So if you haven't watched the latest episode of The Mandalorian, stop the podcast now, go to Disney+, Plus, check it out, and then come back and listen along. I have spoken. Our boys, they fly into Tython, which is this beautiful kind of uh, Californian desert slash Australian uh, backyard sort of vibe and planet. It's really bright. It's really sunny. There's a lot of boulders and hills and mountains and rolling plains and grassy shrubbery. Uh, and Mando from the air, while they're in the Razor Crest, he spots what he reckons is the little you know, sacred Jedi monument with the, the seer stone. Um, but there's no good place to land up on the top of that hill. Um, so he decides to <clears throat> land the Razor Crest somewhere else and fly up with Mando in his arms uh, via his jetpack. And that's where we get that little shot that you've probably seen on Instagram promoting this episode. Um, I will mention actually that on the social media um uh, like accounts for, for, for Disney and for Disney plus and for the Mandalorian, they do a good job of just teasing the episode without actually giving anything away because pretty much the only shots that we've seen promoted, um, of this new episode is of that, um, of Mando and baby Yoda, uh, Grogu rather flying up to that Jedi monument with his jetpack. Uh, anyway, so they get up to the top of the monument. He places Grogu on the seer stone, and he says, okay, um, Ahsoka said that all I would have to do is put you here and you would do the rest. So make something happen now and nothing's happening for a bit. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, Grogu starts meditating in this kind of Buddha pose with his, you know, his fingers like, um, and his legs crossed and the runes around the seer stone that, ancient Jedi runes, I guess they start glowing blue and all this like force energy kind of goes up like a force field around him. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. It's at this point that Mando notices a ship pull out of atmosphere and rock up on Tython and the audience who's been watching all the Star Wars movies notices that this ship is indeed the Slave One which is Boba Fett's ship from the original trilogy. And oh my gosh, what a moment because we've only had Boba Fett um, teased uh, at the end of the first episode of this season. And now he's rocking up for real, but Mando doesn't know who he is and we know who he is, but we don't know his intentions at this point. And so Mando, uh, I guess he's assuming that it's a, a bounty hunter uh, coming to take his Beskar steel or coming even worse to take uh, Grogu away from him. And so he kind of hurries up Grogu and he's like, come on, come on, kid, we got to get going, you know, cut out all that force crap. We got to get moving. Um, but Grogu's not listening to him. And so Mando tries to kind of push through the force, uh, force field and he gets bounced back. And so instead of um, trying to snap Grogu out of his force meditation, he decides that he's going to go and investigate these newcomers and protect Grogu from any potential threat. Mando heads down the hill uh, to trace uh, the passengers of the ship or the passenger of the ship at this point that he believes. 
and then boom, he gets shot by some laser fire and he quickly ducks behind a boulder. Um, and he hears a voice that says, uh, a Kiwi voice that says something like, um, I've been tracking you across many systems, Mandalorian. And we see this hooded, almost like Sith-like figure appear up on a little grassy knoll. And he um, pulls his hood off and it's the face of Tamura Morrison, also known as uh, Django Fett or Boba Fett in this case. Um, but obviously uh, Din Djarin, our Mandalorian, doesn't know who he is. And he asks him, uh, are, you, are you a Jedi or have you come for the child? And um, Boba Fett, he says, oh, I'm just a simple man making his way across the galaxy like my father before me which is a reference to Jango Fett's line in Attack of the Clones where he's talking to Obi-Wan. And also the second half of that line is a reference to um, Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi where he says, I'm a Jedi like my father before me, which is a couple cool, awesome, like, you know, kind of rhyming, like, like poetry at rhymes, you know, t- type moments and callbacks to um, the Skywalker saga, which is awesome. Anyway, basically... Um, uh, Basically, the Mando, the Mandalorian, he teams up with Boba Fett and Fennec Shand, who makes a reappearance after we thought she died in uh, Chapter 5 of last season. Um, but she's teamed up with Boba Fett. I guess um, they kind of explain what happened. Boba found her left for dead on the sands of Tatooine. On the sands of Tatooine and um, fate has a way of redeeming the wretched or something like that that he says, which is kind of a cool line. Anyway, so he teams up with Fennec Shand and she, he fixes her up and she's kind of a cyborg now. She has all these cybernetic wires and stuff going on in her torso. He fixed her up and now she's kind of in a life debt towards him, kind of like Chewie is in a life debt towards Han. Um, and so they're working together and um, Boba Fett um, reveals that he has been tracking uh, the Mando because he wants his armor. And Mando says, well, you're going to have to pry it off my body, my dead body. And Boba says, no, no, not your armor, my armor, the armor that you took from uh, Cobb Vanth. And Mando's still trying to figure out, is this guy, is he a Mandalorian or is he just after the armor? What's going on? Um, and he says, no, it belonged to my father. Um, so that's confirmation that Boba Fett's armor is actually the same armor that Jango Fett wore, but just repainted into Boba Fett's like green and yellow color scheme, which is a cool little tidbit. Um, and we do figure out later on, actually, um, even though Boba Fett says to Din Djarin that he hasn't sworn the Mandalorian code, um, so he hasn't sworn in um, to the Mandalorian creed yet. He's not, um, by creed, Boba Fett is not Mandalorian, but we learn out later, we learn uh, later on in the episode that his dad or his cloned forefather, because remember Boba Fett is not actually the son of Jango Fett. He's a clone of Jango Fett, but his quote unquote dad, Jango Fett, was actually a Mandalorian. That's like the first confirmation because it's been back and forth a few times. Like we weren't sure if he was actually a Mandalorian, if he was just wearing a Mandalorian's armor, if he took that armor off a Mandalorian. But yeah, we found out that he actually, Jango Fett actually was a Mandalorian, a foundling just like Din Djarin is, um, which is a co- another cool uh, connection. Um, so we find that out later on. Um, but yeah, Boba Fett, he wants uh, the Mandalorian's um, 
well, he wants his armor back off Mando. And in return for um, his getting his armor back, he said he'll ensure the child's safety, um, which is a great coincidence because at this current time, uh, the Empire has a tracking beacon on the Razor Crest and they're coming right now. And so literally uh, after that conversation, uh, Stormtrooper troop carrier uh, flies overhead and lands um, further down the hill on the flat plane. And we get uh, the first proper action sequence of this episode uh, where you have, well, Mando, he's hurrying back up the hill to grab um, Grogu off out of his meditative state and Boba and Fennec Shand uh, are holding off the stormtroopers. And we see Fennec in her, you know, kind of sharpshooter role, uh, picking them off from a distance. And we see Boba um, use his gaffy stick for the Tusken Raider, you know, the Tusken Raider kind of spear, javelin, uh, long bow. No, it's not a bow. It's a staff, long staff, whatever. Uh, bow staff, that's what it's called. Um, yeah, it's like a gaff, it's called the, it's a weapon called a gaffy stick, which, um, originated from the first Star Wars movie, A New Hope, way back in 1977. Anyway, so Boba's got that and he's smacking around all the stormtroopers, really epic, kind of brutal, actually. Um, the audio description, if you, if you watch the episode with the audio description on, it says that Boba, um, uses the gaffy stick to smash open the helmet of one of the stormtroopers like a pinata. So that, that's kind of how graphic and, and, and brutal this fight scene goes. And Tamura Morrison's facial exp- expressions while he's smashing and, and absolutely pulverizing these stormtroopers, it is, it is intense. It, he's very intense. And after like the kind of epic scene of him smashing these stormtroopers, he looks over at the Razor Crest and the, the door of the Razor Crest is open and he can see in the entrance, he can see his armor hanging up on the wall kind of teasing what's going to happen a little bit later. And we get a, um, it kind of cuts back to Fennec Shand and we get a sequence of her um, fighting off the guys, picking off the stormtroopers from a distance, but some of them are getting a little bit closer. Um, Some of the stormtroopers set up um, a little grenade launcher, which starts um, throwing explosives in her direction. Another one, another one of the stormtroopers sets up an E-web, you know, blaster cannon thing that we saw at the end of, um, well, we saw it in, episode uh, chapter one of last season. And we also saw it in chapter seven of last season when Moff Gideon's troops were kind of holding down um, Grief Karga, Mando and Cara June in the cantina, in the bar. Um, so we see it again and they, they bring out the E-Web and they're shooting at Fennec as she's running along the ridge. Um, and then she kind of ducks behind a big boulder and decides to um, use the boulder like a leg press at the gym. <laughs> and she presses her legs up against it, pushing the boulder out of its um, out of its little um, ledge that it's leaning on. And the boulder comes rolling down the hill, Indiana Jones style, knocking all these, bowling all these stormtroopers over. Some of them are kind of dumb though. They're kind of running, they're running away from the boulder, but they could just step a couple steps to the left or the right and they'd be out of its path, but they're running like directly along the path that the boulder's going down. So they get absolutely trampled over. And then the trooper on the E-Web, he's just like shooting like relentlessly at the boulder, expecting it to break apart before it reaches him. And he just refuses to get out of the way. And then he gets bowled over by this massive boulder and dies instantly. 
it's kind of a little bit silly. Um, and then, oh, we cut back to Mando and he's once again trying to get um, Grogu out of his meditative state in his like Jedi force field beam thing and he can't get him out of it. So he once again goes like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to hold them off um, and I'm going to hold the stormtroopers off. You s- stick tight, stay where you are. And so he leaves um, Grogu up on the Jedi temple area and is running down the hill and we cut back to Grogu and the moment Mando leaves Grogu, Grogu comes out of his meditation. <laughs> like amazing timing, horrible timing really. Um, so Grogu comes out of his meditative state and he's like exhausted there because he's been using the force so much. So he kind of, um, he doesn't like fall asleep, but he kind of like partially gets knocked out. He's kind of, he's semi-conscious on top of the the seeing stone. Um, and then we cut back to Mando and he's going down um, to help Fennec and Boba, um, but we don't see Boba. He's not there at the moment for some reason, right? Um, but Mando joins up with Fennec and they're kind of back-to-back in a shootout. Um, Stormtroopers are coming all sides. This scene is kind of a little bit dumb because like Fennec and Mando, they're just both, they're both just standing there. Um, like the Stormtroopers seem to be like, it seems like they're bullets. It seems like their blaster fire is like magnetically drawn to Mando's armor, <laughs> you know, like Fennec's wearing normal, like padded clothing and he's Mando's wearing Beskar steel, which is like apparently blaster fire proof and none of the bullets are hitting her. They're all hitting him. Who's, you know, the only one that's bulletproof. So that was, that kind of like wrecked my suspension of disbelief a little bit. That was kind of like, okay, that's a little bit too convenient. You know what I mean? Um, actually while I'm on that, there was a few things in this episode. Like I loved the episode as a whole, but there are a few things that didn't work for me. For example, the environment, it was too, it was too real world. The environment was a little bit too just like normal earth, you know, um, they could have done something to spruce it up a little bit. Like it, it literally just looked like this, the Australian, um, the Australian, um, what do we call it? The backyard. I want to say it literally just looked like the Australian outback. Like, you know, it just looked like shrubbery bushes, desert. Like it didn't look like, anything alien or anything special and you know not every star wars planet has to look like out of this world but they could have done something a little bit or they could have had like some alien creatures on there a little bit like like on corvus last episode you know it was a forest planet but it had the mist the misty atmosphere and it had a few of those like kind of dinosaur looking creatures something like that you know this was just a normal kind of grassy outback kind of kind of planet and the only creatures we saw were butterflies which are normal earthly creatures you know anyway there were a few things like that in this episode some of the shots um i want to say it felt a little bit like a fan film this episode which sounds horrible because it's the mandalorian it's like they've got a massive budget but some of the shots like there was no atmosphere in the filming like the cinematography didn't have the X factor. It didn't have the, the pizzazz. I can't quite put my finger on it, but just maybe the lighting. I don't know. It felt like they shot in midday, 
I know it wasn't actually midday. Like you can tell it was late afternoon by the positioning of the sun, but it felt too sunny too. like, I don't know if it matched the tone of what was happening. Like the episode's called the tragedy and it felt super sunny and upbeat. Like just the, the, the vibe and the atmosphere. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. Back to Fennec and Mando. They're pinned down apparently, even though like they're not really getting shot at, but apparently they're pinned down. That's what the music is trying to tell you. Um, and then boom, out of nowhere, um, Boba Fett rocks up in his full armor, like how we saw him in Empire Strikes Back. And he just starts wreaking havoc, um, shooting at people with his blaster, punching them in the face with his like little rocket punch thing. Um, a bunch of the troopers come up and he, he shoots little rockets out of his kneecaps. He's got all these different, uh, you know, Batman kind of stuff, like, you know, he's got all these like cool weapons and gadgets and he's taking them down. It's awesome. Some of the troopers jump on the trooper carriers to escape. And there's two carriers kind of escaping um, back up into the atmosphere. And he does that thing where he pulls down, like we saw um, Cobb Vanth do with the Boba Fett armor in the first episode of this season, where he pulls down his little visor thing. Um, he locks onto the trooper carriers and he bends over and then the missile comes out of the top of his jetpack um, and it hits the top trooper carrier, which explodes and then starts falling onto the lower trooper carrier and then both of them explode. And then Boba Fett turns around to Fennec and Mando and it's like the epic hero badass shot, which is awesome. And Mando says, oh, nice shot. And Boba says, I was aiming for the left one. <laughs> you know, I, I missed, I was aiming for the other one, which is true. He was like, you could actually see through the visor that he was aiming for the one on the left, but he hit the one on the right, <laughs> but it worked out anyway. <laughs> and next thing we know, all of a sudden, right after that little joke, all of a sudden, this massive laser fire comes from outer space. So there must be some ship higher up in the upper atmosphere. This massive lightning bolt laser strike comes from outer space and boom, comes down to the razor crest on the plateau and bam, the razor crest explodes into pieces in flames. It's absolutely like decimated, disintegrated, destroyed. This amazing ship that we've come to know and love and we've seen this season, it absolutely get beaten up and battered and repaired multiple times. And finally in, um, uh, not last episode, but the siege, the one before that, it finally got repaired properly. Um, however, a tracking device was put on it. So now the empire Moff Gideon has tracked him, uh, to Tython, tracked Mando to Tython and been able to get a nice locked on shot from orbit and absolutely destroyed the razor crest. Um, and something that was kind of ironic, um, me and my brothers-in-law, uh, Joe and Ethan, uh, for our Christmas advent can calendars, we've been using the Lego Star Wars advent calendar. And so every day we get a new like mini figure or like little mini ship that we get to build. And on the day that the, um, Razor Crest was destroyed in the latest Mandalor Mandalorian episode, um, guess what minifigure we got? We got the Razor Crest. <laughs> so, and, I, and it was funny because I watched the episode after I opened the advent calendar. So I woke up and I'm like, oh, what am I going to get today? It's the Razor Crest. Oh, awesome. That's so sick. And then we sit down, Meg and I, and we watch the episode and I'm like, 
No, the Razor Crest. Oh my gosh. So yeah, the Razor Crest got absolutely destroyed, which wasn't the main tragedy of this episode, but for a lot of fans, it was the tragedy. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. Um, and then Fennec goes to Bubba. Um, she's like, okay, you better get to your ship. So Bubba, get, um, Bubba flies off and gets to his ship. Oh, and actually something else that I didn't like about this episode that was quite convenient was that um, uh, um, Mando left his jetpack behind when um, when he was facing off with Boba Fett and Fennec earlier in the episode when he first met up with them and like he didn't know if he was going to be allies or enemies with them. Um, they asked him to put down his weapon and take off his jetpack for some random reason. And so he doesn't have his jetpack now. And to me, I could hear the writer's um, the writer's typewriter clicking away in the background, like, oh, we need to come up with some way for Mando not to have his jetpack. Because if you watch the episode, and you should have by this point, later on in the episode, Grogu gets taken by the dark troopers and flown up into the into the Imperial ship up in the sky. And if Mando had his jetpack, he could have chased after them. But because he took it off, he can't chase after them. You know, they needed to come up with some way for Mando to be unable to chase after the dark troopers. So they're like, oh, let's just have him take off his jetpack in his standoff with Boba Fett earlier on in the episode, which was so unnecessary. But anyway, so Boba gets into his ship and um, Mando and Fennec, um, they go, they're running back to um, Grogu because um, Mando's like, oh my gosh, um, the Empire is here. It's more than just a couple troop car- carriers. Like it's actually like a massive Imperial ship. So we got to get Grogu off this planet. So they're running up to the hill um, to where the, the seeing stone is that they, that he left Grogu on. Um, and then we cut to, we cut to Moff Gideon up in his ship and he dispatches the dark troopers, the little, the robot, um, the robot like Darth Vader looking troopers that the, the droids that we saw at the end of the siege episode. Um, so they come flying down. Um, baby Yoda, Grogu is kind of half conscious. They pick him up and they fly him off um, to the Imperial ship and Mando doesn't get there in time. And so Boba Fett um, starts following the dark troopers and initially he's going to engage with them in, in battle and, and destroy them. But Mando's like, no, 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 no. Tell, um, he's like, Fennec, tell, tell him to stand down. Like the child is with them. And so Fennec radios in and, and she tells Boba to, 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 to hold, to hold back and not to fire at the dark troopers. And so Boba just kind of traces them and follows them to see where they're going. And through the clouds in the upper atmosphere is revealed uh, where they're going. They're going to the big uh, Imperial uh, ship. And Boba Fett's words, when he realizes what happens, he says, oh my gosh, they're back. The Empire is back. And we see that um, baby Yoda, Grogu, he gets put into shackles and gets imprisoned on the Imperial ship. And we see the scene where Moff Gideon goes into his little prison cell to, to see Grogu and Grogu's using the force to throw around these two stormtroopers. And 
and Moff Gideon pulls out his dark saber again for the first time this season, but the second time in the show altogether, he pulls out his dark saber on Grogu kind of threateningly and says something along the lines of, oh, you recognize this. You would have seen this in your training, hey? Um, and then they they knock him out with a stun gun and they put him in shackles, uh, which is very ominous. And then um, uh, Moff Gideon uh, talks to his second in command and tells her to, uh, to send a communique to, uh, Dr. Pershing, telling him that they've found, uh, they've found their blood donor again. So his plan to, uh, get the midichlorians from baby Yoda's blood is back in action. Ooh, ooh, the plot has in, has definitely thickened. Um, so what happens next is Mando, uh, collects his Beskar spear and baby Yoda's little ball from the ruins, the wreckage of the razor crest. And he concludes that his, uh, deal with Boba Fett and Fennec Shand is over, is completed. It's been honored now, but Boba Fett says, no, 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 no. I promised you that if you gave me my armor back, I would keep the child safe and I have not honored that pro- that that promise and so I'm going to help you um, get Grogu back and so it cuts to Mando, Boba and Fennec on the Slave One flying into uh, Navarro. Mando meets up with Cara Dune who's um, not, she's the official marshal of Navarro now before she was the unofficial marshal but now she's the official um, Republic um, honored marshal of well, the new Republic honored marshal of Navarro now. And he needs her help, um, to locate the location of, um, what's his name? Um, Mayfair, Mayfair, Mayfield. It's Mayfield, Mayfeld. It's Mayfield. It's Mayfield. That's right. Bill Burr's character, the comedian, that really funny guy who's a bit edgy. Yeah, from uh, chapter six, The Prisoner, last season. So he needs he needs Mayfield's expertise. I forget exactly what he said about why he needs him. Maybe I'll look back on that. But yeah, he needs Cara June to um, use her uh, New Republic uh, computer authorization to track down Mayfield because he's going to need Mayfield's help um, to break into, uh, the Imperial, um, ship and the Imperial imprisonment and rescue Grogu from the Empire's clutches. And at first, Kara Jun doesn't know why he needs this information, but when he says that they've got the child, she becomes very interested, uh, very, very quickly. And the last scene of the episode that we see is what I was talking about before when Moff Gideon was uh, kind of interrogating Grogu. And we see Grogu get stunned and the shackles put on him and his body is just lying there in the prison cell on the Imperial ship. And then the credits start rolling and that's the end of chapter 14 the tragedy oh my gosh what an epic episode this is the way this is the way this is the way so what's gonna happen in the rest of the series well we've only got two episodes left now chapter 15 and chapter 16 um so there's a lot of there's been a lot of speculation online as to what is going to happen now well we know his razor crest is destroyed 
and um, Boba Fett and Fennec Shand. Well, Boba Fett, Fennec Shand is in debt to Boba Fett. So she's got to follow him wherever he goes. And Boba Fett feels in debt to the Mando. So he is going to help Mando um, rescue Grogu. So we've got we've got the team of those three now working together and they're using the Slave One to get around. Kara June, um, I don't know if she's going to follow Mando. She might just give him information as to where Mayfield is, but we definitely know that he's going to team up with Mayfield. So the team for next episode might be Fennec, Baba, Mando and Mayfield, which is kind of cool. I don't know if we're going to see Ahsoka again before the end of this season. We may or may not. Um, she might be in the final showdown with Moff Gideon. However, I feel like it's more likely that the final showdown with Moff Gideon will be, to, will be between Mando and Moff Gideon. Um, Moff Gideon using the Darksaber and Mando using the Beskar Spear. So that'll definitely happen. Uh, are there any other loose ends? Any other loose ends? I don't think Cobb Vanth is going to come back into the show at the end of the season. Um, I feel like he's kind of one and done because his main goal is to look after um, Moss Pelgo. Um, and so I, there's no reason for him to come and help Mando. I don't I don't see any reason why. Um, Grief Karga, his main concern is looking after Navarro. So I don't see him coming to help um, Mando. But could Bo-Katan come back into it? Well, Bo-Katan definitely wants to find... Her, her main goal is to get to Moff Gideon and get his Darksaber. So she could come back into it and her two little her two little friends, they could come back into it um, to team up with um, Mando, Boba, Mayfield and Fennec. So yeah, that could be the crew that we see in the last two episodes. Who knows? Very, very exciting to speculate about. And I, I just can't wait for um, this coming Friday night or Saturday morning, wherever I, whenever I watch it, um, to see what happens next. Because uh, in Chapter 7 and Chapter 8, the last two episodes of last season, those were kind of like Part 1 and Part 2, like the finale. So I got a feeling the same sort of thing is going to happen the next two episodes. They're going to be kind of Part 1 and Part 2 of the finale. Very, very exciting stuff. I have spoken. Anyway, I think it's about time to kind of wrap up this episode. Uh, so thank you for tuning in to Baby Yoda Cast. My name is Hamish and you can check out my social media at uh, Instagram on, uh, what's my username? It's uh, at Hambo Luke and Hambo Luke as well on the, my YouTube channel. Uh, I've got a bunch of videos about Star Wars and stuff like that. So you can check me out there. Uh, but yeah, until next Friday when we get chapter 15. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Until then, uh, God bless and may the force be with you.